Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. white witch podcast with me Carly hope you are all well witches so welcome today to our first episode of the witches garden series where we will be looking at today six herbs you can easily grow and incorporate into your practice be it for spell work medicinal purposes and smoke cleansing This week in line with our recent episode all about soul loss and soul retrieval, we have for our book review the book written by Sandra Ingerman called Soul Retrieval, Mending the Fragmented Self. This book was a huge game changer for me in one sense. I do have a couple of caveats in regards to this book, but let me delve into what I loved about it. Regardless of the caveat, I would still buy this again. I would read it again. I do think it is a wonderful start to understanding soul loss and soul retrieval. I love this book for understanding soul loss and soul retrieval in itself. It has a checklist of symptoms so you can understand some of the things that may indicate this is what you might have experienced. It explains the shamer's journey when it comes to soul retrieval following soul loss or soul theft, which gets really deep with accounts of exactly where the shaman travels to. I especially love the account of the land of the dead that a shaman will travel to, their methods for bringing back a soul, guardians that they meet along the way, non-ordinary reality and tracking lost souls. Sandra runs through a whole outline of exactly how she conducts a soul retrieval, the effects of soul retrieval, so how people tend to feel straight after, but also going forward, the benefits they can expect, how it's turned their life around. She also talks about soul theft and love, codependency, how to prepare for a soul retrieval, which is an integral part of the process, and how to avoid further soul loss. I thought I'd read you a section of the book that explains how you can return soul parts to someone else if you feel like you may be holding on to them. So you might want to go back and listen to the soul loss, soul retrieval episode if this isn't making any sense to you currently. But basically, we can end up holding on to people's soul parts, following on from perhaps separation, divorce, death of a loved one. It's quite common, apparently, to hang on to the soul parts of former partners. So you may wish to go out in nature and find a stick. Break the stick, releasing any unnatural hold you might have on someone else. Many people have used quartz crystals for giving back a soul in a variety of ways. So take a quartz crystal that is dear to you or buy one, visualizing the person, blow the soul into the crystal. 
Some people were told to give the crystal to that person as a gift. Take any objects you have in your possession belonging to that person and send them back to the owner. Build a small fire, put a piece of sage in the fire for each soul piece you have saying, I release you, return to the one you belong to. When all the pieces of sage have burned, put the fire out with water and scatter the ashes outside. You might want to use breath work. So as you inhale, think of the person you are sending to. When you exhale, purposely send the soul back. And lastly, you might want to give the person a gift that might be a representation of the soul to you. So the caveat I mentioned is that the book is mainly built up of accounts of soul retrieval that Sandra has carried out. But I guess this is to indicate every eventuality and different circumstance that could have brought you to soul loss and how it plays out. I feel like she could have gone into more in regards to the shamanic side of things. And I found that when I did the soul loss, soul retrieval episode, I relied more on research I did through the internet and Pinterest. However, this book was still really valuable to put everything together. And bear in mind, when I research for like the podcast, it can take a whole day. It just really depends how deep down the rabbit hole you want to go, basically. And for me, sometimes the research like borders on obsession because I love it. I mainly ended up researching soul loss and soul retrieval because of my fascination with the hedge witches of the past. So although this book is more linked to shamans that you would probably find in Siberia, Africa, Asia, native North and South America, I wanted to read it because I learned that hedge witches more native to the UK and Europe like did actually perform their own rituals of soul retrieval. I'm going to read you an extract I found from a book. So I came across this segment from this book on an amazing Facebook page called Between the Realms, which is very much all about like the hedge witch side of things. Heavily recommend this page and I will try and link this in the show notes. I was just fascinated by what happened in more native lands to me in relation to journeying, especially relating to soul loss. So I have some Irish ancestry. So this was really fascinating to me, same as with the Scottish folk magic that we looked at on the last episode. So here we go. Irish folk stories celebrate the Banfassa, that's the wise woman, the Bean Lysh, woman healer, or Bean Glyne, handy woman, that's definitely pronounced incorrectly, and the Bean Hainte, keening woman, who acted as a funerary priestess without portfolio. These women are often described as going on otherworld journeys or trances, as having second sight and the power to heal, including bringing people back from what shamanic traditions call soul loss. Two of the most renowned Irish healers were Mole Anthony and Biddy Early. These women were said to travel with the fairies by night, And by this means they were able to answer any question regarding an ailment put to them by those who came to seek their aid or advice. According to folklore, they seldom failed to cure either man or beast when their services were called upon. The fairy woman 
Mole Anthony is said to have lived near the Red Hills in Kildare. She gathered herbs from fairy rafts with incantations and made dark coloured decoctions from them, instructing her patients to carry the potions home without falling asleep on the road. The Reverend John O'Hanlon observed that her reputation as a possessor of supernatural knowledge and divination drew crowds of distant visitors to her daily and from the most remote parts of Ireland. Billy Early, who lived in Fecal, West Clare, was said to have received her power from the fairies after a period of illness. She looked into a little black bottle for knowledge. Her fame spread through Western Ireland and people came from far and near. She was a clairvoyant who could tell them the most private of things, as well as a specialist in herbs. She saved cattle, healed people, helped women to get pregnant, saved babies and prognosticated. An over-officious priest once came to upbraid her for dabbling in magical practices. She politely received him but was not convinced that her healing contravened God's law. The priest left in some anger but found that his horse would not budge for him and so he had to return rather shamefacedly to seek Biddy's help. She advised him to spit on the horse and bless it, whereupon it obeyed his commands as before. Old Peggy Gillen used to cure people with a secret herb shown to her by her brother, dead of a fairy stroke. She would pull the herb herself and prepare it by mixing spring water with it. She conversed with her dead relatives who were among the fairies, especially her brother. After she died around 1870, her daughter inherited some of her power. Another seeress was said to have been with the fairies during a seven years sickness in her youth and she was always able to see the good people and talk with them for she had the second sight. And it is said that she used to travel with the fairies at night. She was able to foretell what was going on with her relatives seven miles away. Ketty Queenan Rourke also had knowledge of deaths, weddings and other future happenings and so did Mike Farrell. He had gotten to know the gentry over a long illness. He won over the priest by accurately describing his childhood home and youth and Father Brannan never said anything more against Mike after that. So this is an excerpt from Legacy's Old Ways in the Shadow of the Witch Hunts. So just wanted to kind of give you some insight that, yes, a lot of the books and information that we see out there perhaps doesn't apply to more native lands. I appreciate the podcast goes out all around the world, but I just kind of wanted to have a look at it to see how it linked into what our hedge witches would have done. So, yeah, just some insight there. You know, it's quite difficult to find out more in regards to how hedge witches did work on soul loss, but it's definitely something I'm going to look to and bring more on the show about. Anyway, without further ado, join me after the break where we talk all about the witch's garden. Welcome back. So recently I came across a witchcraft book and I really love the book itself. But one of the spells had one of the most ridiculous spell ingredients that 
I've ever come across, something like, I don't know, unicorns here from a specific unicorn that's only found in outer Mongolia that clearly you would need to order online if you're not a resident of outer Mongolia and it just made no sense to me. So I appreciate that perhaps the sentiment is that if you are serious enough about casting that spell, you might go to the effort of ordering that particular ingredient. But for me, my spell work needs to be like about intention and the ingredients for a spell needs to be symbolic of the energy that I wish to bring to the spell. Because after all, surely the magic in a spell goes into the energy you put into it through your wording and how serious you are with your intent. You could just chuck said unicorn teeth into the cauldron or, you know, into the ritual. And again, like put no effort into the whole ritual itself, just relying on the ingredients alone. I don't know, it just made me think once again, like if I was a witch hundreds of years ago, clearly I could only rely on what was on the land native to where I lived. But I would have also had to decide what energy that particular herb, plant or ingredient brought to the spell. You know, this might have been based on what I'd learned from other wise women. But I guess if you were a solitary witch, you were relying on that which had been perhaps passed on to you, but mainly your own intuition regarding that particular plant or herbs energy. So today I've outlined six of the first herbs I try to ensure I have in my garden each year. This originally was influenced by a podcast episode I listened to on the Wheel podcast, which is hosted by two amazing witches, Hazel and Jenny, who both live near me. They had my herbalist come onto the show and she recommended her six favourite herbs to start growing now to use for medicinal purposes. So I have swapped one of the herbs that, out that she provided for another, but I wanted to delve into their lore. How can you, you use them within your spell work? How you can use them for smoke cleansing, their magical properties, and exactly how to grow them. So in essence, these herbs could really be applied and used within any of your spell work. They cover a number of eventualities. This is episode one in the Witch's Garden episodes I'm going to be covering that I hope might give you some ideas and perhaps inspire you to start up your own Witch's Garden. So firstly, we're going to be talking about sage. Its Latin name is Sage Salvia officinalis, also known as garden sage, kitchen sage, culinary sage, common sage, golden sage. So sage is a perennial evergreen of the mint family, Lamicali, and native to the Mediterranean region, although sage has been naturalized in many places around the world. So within its Latin name, officinalis refers to the plant's medicinal use, and officina was the traditional storeroom of a monastery where herbs and medicines were stored. So it's magical uses. You can burn sage when you need to gain wisdom for an important decision. Write a wish on a sage leaf and burn it to release your intention. Carry a sage leaf in your purse to attract money and abundance. Sleep with sage under your pillow to ward off nightmares. Write your wish on a sage leaf and sleep with it under your pillow for three nights. If you dream of your wish, it is said that it will come true. Use sage in spell work relating to breaking unwanted desire. 
You might want to burn sage every night along with a photo or symbol of that or who you wish to remove from your life or break free from. Visualize the separation as the sage burns. Repeat daily until your intentions come true. You might want to add sage oil, incense or herbs to any spell to temper the results with wisdom. And it's great to use for spells relating to manifesting. So for smoke cleansing, burn as a smoke cleansing bundle or boil in a pot to ensure your plate like space is cleared of negative energy. Scatter around an outdoor space to bless the ground. Add dry sage to a cauldron and set it on fire. When the smoke starts to come out, the flame drowns and is left to burn as if it were tobacco. And the smoke is where the purifying power comes from. So medicinal benefits, sage has antibiotic agents that create its healing properties. So make up a sage tea to help you ground. Drinking sage tea is said to relieve anxiety and helps to ground you overall. So boil some water, add to fresh sage leaves to form a tea. Sage tea is said to help settle a sour or bloated stomach. It's an effective mouthwash and can help soothe sore throats. So boil up fresh sage leaves, leave to cool. You can also use these for throat problems. Sage is said to help menopause symptoms and you can also apply sage leaves to stings and bites as it's an anti-inflammatory. And when it comes to growing sage, so sage is easy to grow. It is a cold hardy that will come back year after year. And it really does. Like we've just had a ton of snow here in the UK and my sage is indestructible. So sage planted in your garden is also said to encourage success and abundance. Like I say, it can prosper in most gardens and pots. It's sometimes listed as a moon herb and associated with the wisdom of the crone. So I don't know how true this is, but I read the leaves are said to contain a trace of tin in them, which is a Jupiter metal. Therefore, it's also associated with Jupiter along with the moon. It has masculine energy. It's linked to the air element and the star signs Pisces and Sagittarius. It's linked to the dirty Zeus. And overall, its magical properties are purification, cleansing, protection, wisdom, immortality, use it for wishes, emotional strength. The Romans believed it facilitated memory and quickened the senses. So let's talk all about rosemary. <laughs> On here, I've put AKA, also known as Rosemarinus officinalis, or also known as Dew of the Sea, Savia rosmarinus, Anthos, and Elf Plant. So, rosemary is a shrub with fragrant evergreen, needle like leaves, has like white, pink, purple, or blue flowers. Again, it is a member of the mint family, Lamacales. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Let's just say it's just a member of the mint family. The name rosemary derives from Latin rosmarinus, which means dew of the sea. It has a fibrous root system. It's an aromatic evergreen shrub and it's native to the Mediterranean and Asia, but it is reasonably hardy in cool climates. 
So Egyptians used it within their burial rituals and it was said to have been brought to England by the Romans. So for magical uses, wear, like wear some on your person whilst reading or studying to assist with focus and to help retain information. Place it under your pillow to aid in restful sleep and to prevent nightmares. Place dried sachets of rosemary around your home for protection. So it is said that you can summon elven spirits and their magical forces through burning equal parts of rosemary and hollyhock outdoors. Just if you feel the call to, you know, summon some elven spirits, just, yeah, going with that. Using protection baths, wash your hands in water with rosemary before carrying out healing work. And you might want to plant rosemary by your front door to promote and invite love into your home. So for smoke cleansing, you might want to burn it as a smoke cleansing bundle. It's a really good one for that. Rosemary is one of the oldest herbs used for incense. And when it's burned, it releases a powerful cleansing and purifying vibration. So for medicine, you can make up a rosemary tea, which can help improve digestive processes. It keeps your gut happy. Also, you can use it to drink if you are weaning yourself off caffeine and stimulants. I need to have a little bit like of more of a look into that. But that was something that my herbalist was mentioning on the podcast episode I'm referring to. Again, I will put the episode into the show notes for you to have a little listen. So rosemary tea supports healthy gut bacteria. It boosts immune health. And rosemary tea may promote hair growth. It has long been used for premature hair loss treatment. And it is said that it increases blood circulation, which stimulates the hair follicles and hair growth. So growing rosemary, so it can withstand droughts. It can survive a severe lack of water for lengthy periods. It can live as long as 30 years. In some parts of the world, it is considered an invasive species It has a tendency to flower outside its normal flowering season, sometimes as late as early December and as early as mid-February in the Northern Hemisphere. So rosemary loves soil on the sandy side that's well draining. It loves to grow in the ground or pots. If in pots, it loves to spread out its roots. So it does need quite a big pot, unlike other herbs that are happy to be compact in smaller ones. Ideally, like a sunny spot, not harsh midday sun. It will grow where it's humid. It prefers a dry climate. So as a herb, it has feminine energy and it correlates to the fire and air elements linked to the sun and the moon, the star signs Libra and Virgo, and it's linked to the deities Aphrodite and Persephone. Its magical properties are cleansing, concentration, love, memory, protection, warding off evil spirits, past life recall, psychic detox, strength, loyalty, transformation, healing, spell-breaking rituals, rejuvenating the mind and aura, dream magic, sleep, protection against nightmares, purification, and as a cleansing medicine. So our third herb we are looking at is thyme, also known as thymus vulgaris, or spirit herb, common thyme, and garden thyme. 
So thyme is from the mint family again, but it is also a relative of oregano. It's like its uncle or something. I don't know. Thyme is best cultivated in a hot, sunny location. It's a perennial. It can manage deep freezes and is often found growing wild on mountain highlands. So keep it in a hot, sunny place in well-drained soil. It loves dry climates and it is said to be threes and drought resistant. So having a thyme bush in your garden is said to bring positive energy to your home. Thyme was traditionally worn to protect the bearer from evil spells and to give courage and strength. The Greeks burned thyme in their temples to purify, ward off negativity and as a source of courage. They also adorned their temples, homes, even their hair with this rich aromatic herb. Ancient Egyptians used thyme for embalming. In the Middle Ages, I'm just so sick of myself saying thyme. In the Middle Ages, the herb was placed underneath pillows to ward off nightmares. Women during this time, uh, women during this time often gave thyme to knights and warriors for courage. It was also placed upon coffins during funerals as it was said to assure passage into the next life. And people used thyme to protect themselves from the Black Death. I wonder how that worked out for them. Um, in spell work, you can, I don't know what's wrong with me today. In spell work, you can add thyme leaves to your bath water for boldness and courage, confidence. And this is what Greek soldiers would have done. They added it to their bath water to enhance courage. You can keep a sprig of thyme in your wallet to invite abundance. You can place thyme under your pillow for a restful sleep. Mix thyme with marjoram for a cleansing bath and it gives a cleansing vibration and it helps to remove sorrow or negative feelings. So put time in your last meal of the day for pleasant dreams that night. Use time bundles in spells when you're going from transition into a new phase in life or in a bid to leave the past behind you. And the Fae are said to love dancing around time in the garden. So pagan traditions claim that should the Fae have made any of your objects disappear, you can on the night of a full moon leave an offering of time and something sweet with a request that they might aid you in your search for something that's lost. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
So smoke cleansing. So smoke cleanse with dried thyme to bring health and healing into your home. Smoke cleanse with thyme to purify your space before magical workings. And for medicinal usage, so tea made from thyme is effective as a remedy for upset stomachs. Again, you can use it for throat issues. It's antiseptic and antifungal. So you can brew up a tea with fresh or dried thyme. Again, with pretty much all of these herbs, brew up a tea and allow it to cool and you can use it as a treatment for athlete's foot. Also drink it as a tea to help with the cough reflex or to assist your lungs when you're ill or you're having breathing problems. And you can also drink it as a tea as it's antiseptic. So it's really good for urinary tract issues. So it has masculine energy. It's linked to the water element, linked to the planets Mars and Venus, star signs Aries and Capricorn, and linked to the deities Aries and Mars. So it's magical properties. So if you work with the Fae, you can use it for cleansing, happiness, healing, independence, loyalty, luck, purification, strength, protection, increasing your wealth, health, psychic powers, purification, courage, and again, cleansing. So if you're growing it, so it's best cultivated in a dry, hot, sunny location. Again, it's a perennial, drought resistant. It can manage deep freezes. Like I say, it's often found growing wild on mountain highlands, so it can take a bit of a battering. Keep it in a hot, sunny place in well-drained soil. And again, yeah, it's said to bring positive energy to your home. So let's look at mint, also known as mentha or garden mint, my favorite. So mint is good to use in spell work relating to wealth, prosperity, luck, energy, renewal, healing, divination and communication. And it's heavily linked to deities such as Hecate, Hades and most notoriously Persephone. So of course, Persephone discovered Hades having an affair with a river nymph. She was so outraged, she sought out revenge on the nymph and she stepped on the nymph with all her strength, yet the nymph survived Persephone's attack, but she was transformed into a mint plant. So each time Persephone stepped on her, the scent of mint was released. And also on the law front, during the Middle Ages, cheesemakers discovered that sprinkling mint around their cheese piles kept rats out of the storeroom. In ancient Athens, mint was used under the arms. And in the 17th century, John Gerard described mint as having a smell requireth the heart of a man. So in spell work, mint is a wonderful herb to work with for abundance and money spells. You might want to add a few leaves to your wallet to bring in more money or drink mint tea before you embark on any divination work as it's said to increase psychic visions it's said that to rid a place of evil you can sprinkle salt water with sprigs of mint rosemary and marjoram added to it and if you keep mint within the home it will protect your home and you from evil spirits so mint is one of the herbs that has been used for exorcisms 
fresh mint laid on your altar or used within casting your magical circle is said to call in good spirits who can help aid your magic. So very heavily linked to spirit work. So you can use it within spell work for travel, money, love, luck, healing, mental ability, vitality, prosperity, protection, divination and spirit work. So I absolutely, on the medicinal front, like I absolutely adore mint. And whenever I have gone to like a Lebanese or a Turkish restaurant, I adore taking mint tea. I love it with rose syrup. It is like one of my all-time favorite bougie drinks. I make a simple mint tea through just taking fresh washed leaves and I pour boiling water over them. This is when I'm at home. But yeah, like I've bought rose syrup. You can add this for the ultimate summery drink. You might want to have it cold. It's beautiful. You might want to add like raspberries or like squeezed lemon or, you know, something else like honey or something sweet. And mint is a natural anti-inflammatory. It is very high in antioxidants. So brew up a tea using fresh leaves to soothe the stomach or you can use it to ease the pain of a mild headache. So mint's anti-spasmodic properties can also prevent nausea. You can chew on mint leaves. It's a natural antimicrobial, which is why it's added to toothpaste and mouthwash. Mint can provide allergy relief. It's a natural antioxidant and anti-inflammatory, so it can soothe mild allergies. You can crush and rub a fresh mint leaf onto an insect bite for some itch relief due to its anti-inflammatory properties. Toss a handful or two of fresh mint leaves into your bath as it runs to create a muscle relaxant. So the menthol in mint um, like acts as a natural muscle relaxant for sore or stiff muscles. It's a natural decongestant for the common cold. Drinking warm mint tea can soothe the throat or you can inhale the scent of mint within hot water. It's a natural relaxant to open up the airways. Mint is said to increase alertness and to energize, helps you to concentrate and is said to improve your mood. And I also read that you can even create a face mask, apparently with crushed fresh mint leaves mixed with water to create a sort of paste. So apply to your skin and allow to set for 10 minutes and wash off. It's said to be really helpful to eliminate blackheads and reduce skin surface oil. I mean, I haven't tried it, but, you know, yeah, let me know how you get on with that. Mint is said to be of a masculine energy. It is linked to the planets Mercury and Venus. Its element is air and fire. It's linked, of course, to Persephone, Hecate, Pluto, Nyx and Hades. And its ruling sign is Libra. And growing mint. So it's a perennial that grows best in wet soil. It likes partial to full sun and it will really invade your garden if you're not careful. So I tend to always just plant it in a big pot. It goes berserk. It can literally take over your whole garden if you're not too careful. Quite a thirsty little plant and its roots spread quite quickly. I don't know why I'm being so cocky today because I'm actually going to make the mint face mask like genuinely like I feel like that's a really good thing to make and I know that it is said to be really good for oils on the skin so 
yeah, I just, I don't know what's up with me today. And also, I really apologize to all the people from the Middle Ages that carried time around with them because I'm actually thinking about the Scottish folk magic episode and they came up with a medicine that killed the MRSA superbug with cow bile and plants and herbs. So who am I to be knocking them for carrying around a bit of time with them? Like genuinely, I don't know what's wrong with me today. So I apologize to all the people from the Middle Ages for that comment. Um, But back to the herbs. So lemon balm, one of my other favorites, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful herb, also called Melissa officinalis, common balm, bee balm, elixir of life or balm mint. So lemon balm was historically used as a balm following surgeries to ensure incisions wouldn't become infected. During the Middle Ages, it was placed throughout the home to ensure protection and harmony. The Romans and Greeks associated the herb with wealth due to the bee's strong attraction to it. Love this. It has some of the same chemicals that are in bee pheromones and beekeepers as a result are said to use a compound of crushed leaves to attract worker bees to new hives. So yeah, for spell work, lemon balm has to be one of my favorites. I associate it with the heart. It's great to brew up as a tea using fresh leaves to drink for a broken heart and loss. The scent of the leaves alone is said to lift melancholy. And as a tea, it is also great for anxiety as it works as a mild sedative. So it's great to sip on to ensure a good night's sleep too. So it can also be used for spell work relating to love, success, release, emotions, healing and friendship. So it's said to be great to drink as a tea before performing ritual work or services. So simply add leaves to boiling water, allow to steep, same as I would do with any of the other herbs that we've mentioned. And to attract love, you can literally just carry some lemon balm leaves with you on your person, perhaps like in a small pouch. So medicinal usage, you can create a poultice using lemon balm leaves that have been ground down using a mortar and pestle. Add a small amount of water to blend it all together into a balm and apply directly to wounds or stings to benefit from its healing qualities. So if you've got the flu, mix lemon balm and eucalyptus in your cauldron or a bowl and bring it to simmer and breathe in the steam to open up the airways and soothe you. Lemon balm is great to use within moon rituals as it has heavy association with the moon. Within spell work, it's ideal for work pertaining to love, healing, release, fertility, friendship, success, emotions and harmony. And it's linked to Leo, Cancer and Pisces. It has a feminine energy. Its element is water and it's linked to the planet Neptune. So growing lemon balm, lemon balm grows rapidly. It spreads in rich, well-drained soil in a sunny spot. I try to like look after it the same as mint. It requires little TLC, but likes good drainage. She doesn't like her little feet to be wet. And sorry, I forgot to say, she's linked to the deities, Diana, Artemis, Pluto, and Venus. And lastly, we have lavender, also known as elf leaf, nard, and spike. So lavender, again, is one of my favorites, and my favorite way to use it is within kitchen magic. 
One of my favorite days ever was last year, a picnic for the mass with my best friend and my daughter. We went over to the Screaming Woods in Pluckley in Kent and we feasted on lavender and lemon cake amongst other homemade treats that I had made. We drove back home after on that balmy hot summer's night with the biggest moon I've ever seen in the sky. That was truly magical. And lavender always comes to mind when I think of that day. And all I did was add crushed sprigs of lavender to the lemon cake that I made and I used it within the icing. So just added like some of the tips to it. I would say one of the big, biggest bits of advice I read about cooking with it is if you see a recipe to try and half the amount of lavender that they suggest because sometimes it can be a bit too like soapy. It can be a bit tricky to get the ratios right. But anyway, I just don't use very much at all. And you can add like crushed sprigs of lavender to shortbread, cakes, cookies, or you can infuse it in cream or like make ice cream with it for an absolute culinary delight. Like again, not too much to avoid that soap taste. It's really tricky. Like I've really struggled to kind of get it right. So for spell work, so you could add it to any calming bath before you embark on any ritual work or create like a lovely smoke cleansing bundle. Just wrap it up with some cotton, using it to burn for like purification. But again, like, you know, for anxiety, a bit of a mood lifter. So use lavender in spell work for manifesting prosperity, good luck love, peace, happiness, and communication. It enhances intuition and awareness for dream work. Use it to consecrate your sacred space, release negativity. It provides protection. It's great, again, for like, yeah, I mean, really good for manifestation, well-being, like bringing love into your life, happiness, balance, sense of connection, and also clear communication But it's also good to add to banishing spells for harmful spirits and banishing spells that you're carrying out in general. And it's medicinal usage. So lavender is perfect to use as a natural remedy for insomnia, depression, irritability, anxiety, fatigue and stress. It has analgesic and antifungal properties. So it's helpful for mild headaches, but also like skin irritations. It's also antiseptic and antibacterial. So it can be used for burns and wounds, like to relieve pain and inflammation. And you also might want to drink it as a tea, which is somewhat an acquired taste. And it's something that my herbalist goes into on the podcast episode that I mentioned. So you don't need to add much lavender to it. You may wish to add some honey or lemon to get the taste to your liking. But it is said to be a perfect tonic for anxiety or to assist sleep, but also for its anti-inflammatory benefits. It has association with the elements of air and the deities Artemis, Boreas, Eos and Iris. And it is said to be linked to the planet Mercury. It's said to have masculine energy and it's linked to the star sign Scorpio, Aries, Virgo and Pisces. 
So growing lavender, so English lavender tends to be one of the herbs that I'm a bit useless at growing, but overall it requires good drainage as it tends to survive better if watered sparingly, and I guess I can be an overkeen waterer at times. It's fairly tolerant of low temperatures, enjoys a lot of sunshine. It is pretty much the one herb that I end up buying year in, year out, but it's always worth it. It tends to prefer smaller, tighter containers to its roots, not too much excess dirt. To harvest and dry lavender, simply cut, tie and bind the stems together at the base and hang them upside down in a cool, dry place until they're dry. So all of these herbs could be used within your bath, within food, within medicine, spell work, even smoke cleansing. I saw a brilliant post this week by Australia Taylor, the author of Intuitive Witchcraft, just demonstrating how you can light dried herbs on fire and drop them into a heatproof bowl for incense. You can also add them to charcoal too, if that's any easier. You might also want to take stems of all of these herbs and bind into a smoke cleansing bundle. And whilst you're there, maybe make it super bougie and add some flowers in it too. These make wonderful presents. So perhaps add some roses to the blend, just to make them look super glamorous. I've made smoke cleansing bundles before. So just tied a bunch of herbs or whatever you want to put in there with some like fancy string. I used like some pink string. I added like wound crystals into them too. And I use these as gifts. Nothing better than getting high on your own supply, like having your own supplies from your garden. And have you seen the price of smoke cleansing bundles? They are not cheap. Plus it's rewarding when you've made them. So I want to make a drying rack this year for herbs just by taking a long branch, stringing it up and hanging it on the wall and hanging flowers and herbs to dry. And don't forget if you dry any of these herbs and store them in a sealed jar, you can hang on to them all year round to make teas. You know, you can use the dried leaves for that or to add to your recipes or spell work. Don't forget, you might just want to offer up these individual herbs on your altar to your ancestors, deities, or just to decorate. They are perfect, as, of course, for spirit work and communication. All of these six herbs are cheap. They're easy to purchase and grow. You can even buy most of these just in the supermarket, like all year round. So you can also buy already cut fresh herbs. So if you don't want to grow your own, you can pretty much just pick up a packet of fresh herbs that you can use within your spell work or for other uses. I'm an advocate of growing herbs that you can use in your craft, be it in your sprawling acreage of land, a small patio garden like mine in pots, a balcony, or even just on a windowsill. Like you could grow pretty much all of these on a windowsill. So let nothing stop you, but... This will ultimately provide you with six herbs that you can have at hand to use within your practice. Because I believe the magic is not only within the work you do using the herbs, but the process of growing and nurturing your herbs and feeling the connection to the land and living things. There's nothing better than that within my practice and I find it incredibly rewarding. I think what I'm trying to convey is we can make our craft as simple or as intricate as we choose. And sometimes when I first came to the craft, 
I felt so overwhelmed thinking everything was going to be expensive. I wasn't sure where to begin when it came to spell work, where to order things. But I like to remind myself that I can always like, you know, swap out a colored spell candle for a tiny white tea light. And, you know, you can replace things and use your intuition to feel the way, like what you think might work instead off of its energy. And, you know, don't forget, like, witches years ago probably only had, like, tallow candles that would have been made from animal fat that would have likely all have come in one colour. They would have just used whatever was outside on the land. And I like to share this similar concept. It just works for me. It also contains all of the power and the energy of the, the land surrounding us too. So if you are using herbs or plants that you find wild, like obviously just make sure you are allowed to pick what you have found. But obviously if you do, just make sure you use it sparingly and do something nice for the herb or plant or the land around it. Perhaps water it, clear the area of any rubbish that you might see. I also like to be really careful of, you know, like in my garden, like I like to relocate snails. <laughs> so my mum goes mad at me for this, but I can't really cope with them being hurt. So I often relocate them. Like I don't yeet them anywhere else, not eat, yeet them or anything. I put them in a little plant pot with their little friends. I relocate them <laughs> a little bit further up the road. And yeah, like coming back to animism, everything's got a spirit. So we talked about this last week and as a result of that and tapping into animism, like some witches like to ask the herb or plant if they can take some of their leaves and, you know, sense what the response is. So I'm not quite there. Like I have no connection with my plants or herbs to know if they are talking to me or not. Sadly, this is something I clearly would like to develop, but I do give them a good feed and water and I check up on them and I don't harvest too much I usually do it like little and often. This also helps increase their growth too if you are taking little and often. And when it comes to your little plant or herb babies, the best piece of advice I can give you in regards to their care is observation. And this is something that my mum taught me. She's a professional gardener. So when I say that, I mean, I check on them and, you know, regularly, like I want to say every day, but that would be a big fat lie, but just regularly. And, you know, I look at their roots at the bottom of the pot. So I don't take them out the pot, but I just kind of have a look at the holes at the bottom. I look at their leaves. I see how they're growing. Do they need to be moved into a different area that's perhaps sunnier or shadier? Do I need to switch their pot around so the other side gets light? You know, are their roots popping out the bottom? Observation is more a prevention rather than cure. And also talking to them. So I like that. And they like that, but I digress. But Again, linked into that, I am also thinking of naming my herbs this year. It is something that I do with my house plants purely because it gives them a little identity and I will feel awful if they die. So it's more pressure for me to keep them alive. And another useless tip I can give you that I found is again, like to name your house plants and name one after you. So you have to ensure it gets all the right love and somehow this extends to realizing that you need the same too. And one of my house plants is named after me and it is thriving. And one of mine is named after my ex-boyfriend and it's still alive and healthy. So that's really something up too. And 
I didn't name like the plant after we broke up. It, it clearly was when we were together, but yeah, it's still happy and healthy. I, I didn't let it die. But <laughs> anyway, I'm like just wittering on here. We will have a few other The Witch's Garden episodes over the course of this spring. And really this is because, you know, here in the UK, we are all switching. Well, not all of us, but many of us have gone into major spring mode. We're thinking about gardening, you know, getting into growing mode. So if you are a green witch, if you'd like to be a green witch, if you just want to kind of get involved with growing, you might want to come over to Facebook, The White Witch Company, and join the Green Witches Coven. Over on there, there's loads of witches that are all talking about what they're doing on their allotments, in their gardens, on their windowsills. There's loads of tips and amazing posts. So come on over and join us there. You can also join us over in the Literary Witches Coven, again, over on Facebook, The White Witch Company. We are currently reading The Familiars, which is a book that I have inhaled and have finished. And we don't have our next online Literary Witches Coven meeting until the 10th of April. So I'm well ahead of myself. But yeah, if you want to come and join us for that, please do. You can find me on Instagram at The White Witch Company my website www.thewhitewitchcompany.co.uk and you can sign up for the newsletter on there and this month I will have some grimoire printables in relation to some of the herbs that we've talked about on today's episode. So I hope that you have found this insightful, perhaps helpful. If you do start doing anything as a result of this episode, please do tag me on Instagram or Facebook or always keen to hear, you know, what you're up to, what you're doing within your practice. And, you know, if it's something that you might have picked up from this podcast. Other than that, thank you so much for all your reviews, all of your support as ever. I'm so, so, so grateful. I love to hear from you. Don't be a stranger. Do get in touch. I'll be back soon. Have a great week, witches. Lots and lots and lots of witchy love. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.